Welcome to Bites of Light with Angel and Seth Rohr. We provide bite-sized nuggets of wisdom to feed your soul, expand your awareness, and free your mind to help you create a more beautiful today and a brighter tomorrow. Join us in our magical kitchen as we serve up another high-vibe snack for your soul. Hello, hello, Lee. Thank you so much for joining me. I am so excited to have a little conversation with you. Well, I am too, actually. Yay! I know. It's it's going to be great. We'll try to stay on topic, but you know how it goes. We'll see where we go with this. Yeah. So I got a download to write a book about evolving leadership. And of course, having you in my life for the last almost four years, three or four years, however long it's been, you were at the front and center in my mind of collaborating with. And to have you in my life over this last couple of years has been such an honor and a privilege that the teachings that you've passed on and the amazing journeys that I've got to experience with you has forever changed my life. And, and we've had a lot of fun. And we've had so much fun. And, and that's the biggest takeaway, honestly, for me. When we came home from Peru last year, the title for my podcast, my book, my my mission moving forward was Bites of Light. You know, and that that came to me when we were integrating our trip from Peru. So to have you still want to play in this storyline is just so exciting for me. Well, I... I... When I first heard that title, I thought that that's like a really cool title. Right? Yeah. So, yeah, so either so. way, however you want to spell bites, it totally works. <laughs> exactly. And that's what I love about it. Because even when people spell it the other way, it still has meaning to what we're doing. So I just love it. I just love it so much. And it is all about love and light. And, and like you said, playing. And that was one of the things that made me know that I wanted to work with you. You know, that very first time that we shared space in tail, I was going through a bunch of grief and there was one specific moment that's kind of ingrained in my head forever that you were standing in the parking lot in the dreaming house with your arms open wide. And you said, there's always more love here. And it was just like, that was it for me. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, because that had not been my experiences in the past. And so when you said that, that was hook, line and sinker for me. I'm like, this, this guy's the real deal. Like, thank you. Thank you for showing up and holding that space. Right. It was just, that was it for me. So to still be able to come and play with you and, you know, see what else we get to do together is just, it's just such an honor for me. and. When I asked you to write the forward for our book, which you so graciously did, I didn't know at that time that you were going through your own experience and, you know, literally holding hands with the angel of death and having your own adventure on the side. And so for you to take the time, your time and your attention and bring some of your energy into this book and provide light codes for it. I just, thank you well, so much. Yeah, well, you're super welcome. And you know, the being creative and the being able to contribute and participate is like, that's the point. Right. You know, and at the same time, this this journey that I'm in now, it makes, it, it it leaves me very, very conscious of there is limited time, limited right. attention, and limited energy. Because that's that's been the main thing that I've been dealing with the last few months, is that I don't have this kind of endless energy that I've always had. Right. <clears throat> and right. I'm responsible for where I direct my energy. And so, you know, clearly the most important the, the most important place for my energy is in taking care of myself. Of course. But anyhow, that was, I mean, that was easy. Right. Right, Matt, for you. So you're, 
you're welcome. And, you know, I appreciate being asked to do that. I'm always, I'm still always humbled and kind of surprised when people say, will you write something for my book? I'm like, really? <laughs> <You're>... <laughs> yeah. Come on, Belle. That's my daughter. My daughter's on her way to see Taylor Swift tonight. Yay. Oh, I've yeah. seen her. It's awesome. She's going to have a great time. Yeah, she is. So, yeah. So life goes on. Life goes on. Well, I'm, you know, goodness knows you and I love to fly. And, you know, I would love to kind of do an eagle's eye view of, you know, your past and for the listeners who may not know who you are. So why don't you tell us what was your earliest memory of life? Like when you first came onto this planet, what's one of the first things that you, that kind of stuck with you? Oh, good grief. <laughs> you know, I, like, I don't remember things. We, I remember specific situations sometimes, yeah. but I more often remember the, like the bubble that I was in, in different points in life. And my family was very tribal, I guess, you know, my, it was a, we had a family owned construction company. There were a couple hundred employees in that company. We had a big farm that had been in the family since 1800s in Florida. So we hunted and fished together and ran cows on that place. And everybody worked together in the construction world when I was a little kid. And so I think my earliest memories or the earliest imprints on me was that, like that tribe, that, that big family that, that you live and you work and you play and you, like you, you're all in it together. And that's, that's really been, that's been the way I connect to life all my life. I've never been, I've been a solo person to a degree and that I see things uniquely. And I think I figured that out right. fairly early on that I just see things differently, but I love connection and I love community. Awesome. And, you know, as you were growing up in your childhood, you know, we, you and I have studied the four agreements ext extensively. Yeah. And, from from your family unit when you were younger, what was what was one of the agreements that you chose to keep? You know, you talked about that tribe piece. Was what 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 else would you say would be one of the agreements that that was the gold of your family? Uh, probably always do your best, mm. or you know, yeah, because not making assumptions is something that that to me that's like a higher degree of awareness. The realization of that I need to be asking questions, not assuming things. But always do your best was was almost like a mantra among the crew, you know, among my my family. But it was not always do your best without the judgment. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah, judgment is a thing. And that that actually leads right into the next question. Like if what what one of the agreements, and it doesn't have to be those four specific, just agreements, con conscious or unconscious, which ones do you feel that you evolved through time, through your childhood into your teenage years? Well, getting into teenage years, <clears throat> I was I was pretty rebellious. So I don't think I can really say that that the context of the four agreements would have applied a whole lot in my life because it was pretty much, I want to do what I want to do. And if you don't like it, I'll go somewhere else and do it. Right. You know, so, I mean, that in that teenage rebellion is natural. In fact, I think the older I've gotten in the, the over the years of working with people, and realizing the depth of the nature of our culture and all the stuff it puts on us, I'm kind of surprised that kids are not more rebellious than they are. Right. 
you know, you know, I don't know. My life got, because of the nature of the way we're domesticated, using the language, my life was pretty reactive to a degree. And also, you could say that I was self-centered, but the truth was, it was self-preservation, trying to keep who I am apart from all of the the energy and the relationships and the demands that would have just swallowed me, you know, because there was a whole plan for who I should be and what I my life should look like as a kid. Right, right. Yeah. What would you um, say to him now? Pardon that, me? That, that, that teenager inside, what would you say to him now? What advice would you give him now? You, you don't have to believe him. It's that simple. You can listen yeah. and you can hear and understand that that they're doing their best and they haven't had many choices in what what they have come to believe. Not really. And so there's nothing to be gained by going to war right. with the world of opinions and you just don't need to believe it. Be cool and be responsible for yourself. That's amazing. What what do you feel that you were uh, most proud of him for back then? Oh gosh, you know my mom and my dad both. I kind of I grew up. My parents got divorced when I was twelve, and my mom a couple years later married a man that I had also known all my life, that I ended up being partners with in the cattle business for years. So it was kind of a there was my mom and then there was my dad, my blood dad that I was very close to. And there was also my stepdad. They were, they were extremely strong-willed, very direct, took no prisoners. If you got in their way, you would have to deal with them kind of people. And so I, I guess I adopted that kind of attitude that if I really believe something needs to be done a particular way, then that's what I'm going to do my best to do. So, you know, a tenacity, a, a focus, a, a willfulness as such, you know, to pursue the things that I believe to be correct. That, that, that epic warrior that lies within you was built then. Yeah, yeah. I, I could have used a little less warring and a little more right. smarts at how I approached it. <laughs> but isn't right. that part of the practice? Isn't that how you learn? Oh yeah, it right? is. It yeah. is. I mean, you know, as you've heard me say before, our, our sufferings and our misery are really the, the integrity of life trying to get us to pay attention. Right. They're not curses. They're blessings inviting us to pay attention. Right. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. And you and I met on sacred ground in March, 2020, just as COVID decided to bless this planet. Right. And what an incredible time to meet you, right? The whole world is going through this collective spiritual death and we are doing ceremony in the pyramids. Yeah. I, I, I sometimes wonder like, we can't make this shit up, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but we and do it's right <laughs> yeah and that was such a significant pivotal moment in my life and as I'm sure for everybody but I always because I, I didn't even know anything about you until that journey mm -hmm. you know I, I knew who you were and that you were a teacher and that was it literally and so going from that teenager that we just talked about and the lessons in building the warrior to you standing on those grounds going, there's more love here. Like, how the hell did that happen? <laughs> like the umbrella view, how did, how did you go from that to that? Because talk about extreme yeah, it's, timelines, it's a, right? It's a big shift. It is a big shift. And I'd love to see an, an eagle's eye view of, of, of how that happened. Well, it didn't happen easily. Right. 
right? Carol's journey is never easy, Lee. <laughs> yeah, well, I, you know, I, I went to Tao the first time in, I think, 2000, 2000, maybe. And I think I went back two or three times a year, every year since then, if not more. Right. And so there was something about the energy and the integrity of that place that was undeniable to me. I felt at home there. I felt compelled to be there. Of course, I, you know, I really respected Miguel and, and the old crew and all the original teachers and all that. And at the same time, that was that was happening in one dimension. But the pull and the connection to what's embodied in Teo was an other much bigger dimension. And I didn't understand it, but I was drawn to it anyway. So that was the beginning of me realizing that I don't have to figure something out in order to step into it, to honor how it feels. If it really feels correct, I don't need to understand it. I don't need to figure it out. I need to just step into it and allow myself to be taught or allow more to be revealed. And Teo had such a powerful effect on me in the way that it magnifies whatever we're carrying. Right. So I couldn't get away from myself there. You know, and that that's a big gift. Like everywhere you turn, there you are. And it was, while it was about love, ultimately, it was not about love in the first five or six or seven or eight years of my relationship there. It was about dismantling. Yeah. You know, the, the love talk was almost a distraction because I was like, there was so much I carried so much energy in me that didn't serve me. That was all inherited being born into this world, right? I mean, no victim. It just is what it is. Yeah, that's that's life on earth, right? <laughs> yeah. That the first order of business was to come to terms with with who is it I believe I am and what am I doing here? Right. Like, you know, the old who am I really? And that took a lot of time and a lot of work you know, a lot of attention and willingness and the willingness to real, to, to realize after a few years of being in and out of Teo, realizing that I was not going to find answers in the way that I had been taught to seek answers, which is knowledge will answer and fix everything. It was, it was not about collecting the correct knowledge it was about allowing the experiences to come through me that would wake me up from the inside out. And that's, you know, that's still my experience here. The last time I was there last fall was, I mean, it was every bit as powerful as, as the first time I was there 20 something years ago. Cause it, there's always another dimension, right? There's always another realization. And in fact, the way I held Teotihuacan and the energy and the entities and the the gods, if you want to, the energies that some people call gods, that I have relationships with there, that entire fabric completely flipped on its head last summer during a journey there. So the entire context changed. That Teotihuacan was not presided over by a male energy. The Teotihuacan, the essence of it and the power of it is held in the feminine. And the feminine bestowed the power to the males. Yes. That the males, the males did not have the ability to summon the power that the feminine is the master of. And so it turned it all upside down. It's it Blalock and Quetzalcoatl and you know, on and on, that the true power of that place is in the heart of the feminine. And that was profound. And that's also, that also became a huge relief. Yeah, the poles are balancing. Yeah. 
Well, because like I've felt for a long time, if the future of humanity is dependent upon the men to sort it out, we're pretty much screwed. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> the men, the males have been doing the best we could do for a long time, and this is the best we can do. Right. And it's a mess. And it's time for the women to step up and own the portals that they are. Yeah, well, it's time for, you know, as the as as all of us are responsible to evolve beyond the state that we find ourselves in when we begin to wake up. We're responsible to to outgrow the ways of being and thinking and believing that we wake up with. And so the women have a great responsibility to evolve beyond where the women are at today. Right. Absolutely. Just as the men do. Absolutely. Yeah, they're just as wounded. You know, both both sides are yeah. wounded. You know, and, and in, I think in, that's their, in our of, own unique ways. Yeah. And that's part of our 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 mission down here is, you know, Earth is school. <laughs> yeah. We're trying to remember who we are and and you know the power that we do house. And well, and it's the it's if it's anything, I believe it's the birth of a new paradigm of, yes. of the way we live in the world. And what I know of because I've been trying to to bring in new paradigms in the mental health addictions treatment world for 20 years. Right. Well, the thing about the birth of a new paradigm is you have no idea what it's going to look like or feel like or how it's going to operate when you begin to dream it. And the tendency is that we always revert back to what we know because there's a familiarity and a comfort to being surrounded by what we know or using our existing belief system to draw from and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. But what we end up ultimately doing is just recreating another version of the same thing right. that we've already known that we say we're trying to, to move forward from. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, for me, how I translate that is, you know, I take it into the the gym context is, you know, you go and you build your your physical muscles and, you know, we have to also build our spiritual muscles. So you're right, we get up into these higher states of consciousness, and then we bring this, this, you know, we get these downloads and this beautiful medicine to share with the world. And then, you know, you get your, your attention gets hooked by something. And then you start creating down in that vibration instead of holding the vibration. So there is this need to keep working the spiritual muscles so that you can maintain that vibration instead of dropping back and down and doing this roller coaster thing that a lot of people do. Well, we all do. We all do. Yeah. But well, it it's, discovering, that. It, it's, it's us discovering within ourselves and coming into a relationship within ourselves in relation to the unknown and like it'd be like you know you show up there's a balance beam and somebody says okay i'm going to give you all the information on how to do this exercise and just with the information you're going to hop up there and do the exercise well yeah, you have hop fun with that your ass <laughs> right it doesn't work yeah <laughs> so but and it's the unknown because first time i mean i'm not a gymnast but i can only yeah. imagine the first time you get on a balance beam you're like okay i have no idea what i'm doing here i'm going to kill myself i got to go that, and and that was my world for 30 years. Yeah. So so where is your faith in those moments of stepping into something that is completely unknown to you, and yet you're going to step into it with your heart open, with your with your mind as open as it can be, and with that fear with you, but the fear, you have to keep putting the fear behind you if you're going to step forward. Well, that's the way I see where we're at in this world today. Yeah. And, and I do think that's why some athletes, especially, you know, ones that do sports like gymnastics or, or you know, the, the, the high risk sport is, you know, every time my national athletes stepped onto the trampoline and are jumping 25 feet in the air, learning a new skill, you know, there is a risk of death, period. Like that's, yeah. that's not willy nilly stuff. Like we're talking life and death situations here and they're choosing to do it. So then when you ask people who don't have that kind of training to walk through their fear, it's like, yeah, well, and it's <laughs> the same thing when we step into a path of, you know, I'm miserable. I, I, I don't like my life. I don't like myself and I want to live something else. 
Well, you have absolutely no idea what that something else is going to look like or feel like. There's no way to know because you have no reference point with it. That's right. You just got to go in. <laughs> yeah. Commit. Commit oh, to that. And, commit to that new storyline. And at the same time, we come to realize, like, if we follow the same pattern that's already established within us is, okay, well, I'm going to take all these new experiences and weave me a new belief system. And then I'm going to attach that belief system and I'm going to wear white and I'm going to do, I'm going to walk this way, you know, and I'm going to get all the external aspects of the ceremony down and that's going to make it all better. Well, you've just created another, another externalized reality that you've, that you have projected responsibility for ourselves onto. And that's not it. It yeah. may be improved from where we were, which is great. But it's it's the same way of, of engaging life that we have been engaging all along. You just got a white dress on. Yeah. And <laughs> and it is an improvement. You know, sometimes yes. you, you meet people where they're at. We begin at the beginning and these little steps are fantastic. And it's really important as teachers, I think, or as guides to monitor where people are at so they have a sense of comfort. Yes. So they can relax, learn to be relaxed. And at the same time, remind them, be very conscientious of what you're attaching yourself to. Because attachments are not actually security. They're islands of safety. Yeah, truth. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Can you remember when there you know, one of your significant spiritual awakening experiences that that kind of went, yeah, this is where I need to be. Like, why tail and, and why keep going back? Something significant must have happened that calling way back in the beginning when you first went. I, it was it was the energy, you know, I'm not so much anymore, but I was just a big energy junkie for a long time because I could go there and blast off. It was right. the first place, first time I ever had the experience of, as we say, leaving your body, except I've never completely left my body. I'm always conscious of my body, but I can go completely into the light yes. at the same time. But that first experience of going into the light and realizing that I was so, I was completely at home there and it was so still and, and so just, it was, it was heaven. If, you know, we use that word heaven. It was so powerful for me. And I knew that that was the truth. Like I knew I couldn't define it. It doesn't have a street address. And I also knew because I had listened to Miguel say this a million times that these experiences that we're having are happening within us. So don't give the experience away to the pyramid. Don't give the experience away to the mushroom or the ayahuasca because you're not capable of experiencing anything that is not already in some regard contained within who you are really. Absolutely. So yeah. I realized that space and the light was an aspect of myself, and I just wanted to keep going back there. And and I've made a practice of that. And it's it's like we say in the sweat lodge in Lakota, you say all my relations. You know that's that's one of the one of the statements of ceremony when you're stepping into ceremony. All my relations are there. For real. Yeah. And and most of it, there's no identity to it. It's a presence. So having having access to that has it's been really important this last few months since I've been since I've been living with this cancer thing and and you know, what is my faith really? And I just I go out and sit in the sun and put my face to the sun and phew, I go there. How'd you and, go? Yeah, and that's why the the bites of light, like I'm literally eating light every day. Yes. You know, and I'm like, I don't know if I'm going to stay in my body or not. I think I am. I think I'm going to yeah. be here for for 
some time longer. But if I'm checking out of my body, I'm okay with that too, because I have no fear whatsoever of what comes after being here. Right. Well, and that's a perfect segue because I was curious if you, when did you start? When did you start to question what was happening in your body? What were your hits? How did you know to go and get checked out? Last fall's trip to Peru. Ah. Uh-huh. So you were on the spring trip. I was on the spring trip. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I went back last October while I was laying on the bed at, in Urubamba at the Taipikala and I put my hand on my abdomen and it just felt hard. It was like, it, it felt weird. And so intuitively, I, I just, I knew that's not right. Like something's up. So I came home after that and called our doctor and they they just said, you're so freaking healthy. You know, it's probably, it's probably, a, a, I don't, they just said you, whatever. So they got an ultrasound and there was a mass and then they ordered a CT. And when I got the CT, they saw the two tumors, you know, and it's like immediately you're a hundred percent human when that happened. Oh, you're yeah. not some enlightened groovy freaking dude. Yeah. You're a hundred percent human. You've got four daughters. You know, I've got my wife that I love with all my heart. I've got everything in the world that I love. And all of a sudden the angel of death is like, yeah, well, I hope you've enjoyed it. Hi, here I am. <laughs> How are you um, doing today? But it immediately became a journey. And, you know, yeah, there's emotion involved in that. I can't, there was never fear. There was sadness. Right. The idea of leaving my girls was really, really deep-seated sadness. But I was never afraid, which I thought was weird. You know, I kept thinking I'm gonna I'm gonna be afraid. And I'm like, I'm not afraid. You know, I don't want to go anywhere, but I'm not afraid. And I attribute that to the way I've lived the last. I was going to say, with all the training and, and your experiences and your capacity to even astral travel, that changes everything. That changes everything. And it changes your relationship with life and death. It does. It does. And, uh, you know, probably the greatest gift. Well, there have been so many gifts have come out of this and continue to be revealed. But maybe the greatest gift is I realized like how much I love so many little aspects of life that I never even considered that I loved that, you know, that I, that I love the feet, the smell of, of cut hay. I love hearing the birds start chirping in the morning, you know, like all those things I've appreciated them, but I realized, God, there's just, there's this whole fabric of life and I really love it. Yeah. You know, I don't want to cling to it or possess it, but I love it. And I appreciate it. You're allowed to dance and mingle and merge with it and play. Right. It's not, it's not a fear attachment. It's, it's life. And and you can, it sweetens all the sweetness. You've deepened your awareness. Yeah. And it just cleared the slate. Of I'm not I'm not too busy to feel all those acknowledgments and connections. Like that's what happens every day, everywhere I go now. That's what I'm experiencing. I can be busy in my head and working on something, and that does not override me seeing the cardinal that just landed on the bush and looked at me. Right. I'm not too busy for all those little things. So it shifted that. It shifted the level of of how I witness, And I think it, that's what being in this space did. It really fine tuned how I, how I see and feel everything going on around me. Mm-hmm. So Which those, is cool. those experiences, I mean, that's, yeah, that shifted within. I, we all know, like you said, when, you know, it starts with self first and you're experiencing these deep internal shifts and this expanded awareness with the world. How, how has this experience shifted with the people that are closest to you with your relationships? 
Well, it scares and it still does. Like my daughters are, they're scared. Of course. You know? And my wife is, you know, Mimi's like, I don't know how I'll be in this world without you. So, and that that I regret because my my situation has brought that fear to them. And, and that bothers me. It's like I would never, ever do anything to bring that kind of fear and sadness into their life. And it is life. So, I mean, I'm not, you know, I don't feel guilty about it or anything, but it just, it bothers me that, that that's one of the effects that this has had on them, you know, but I also, but I've kind of been this way for a while because I was fortunate enough to have two families, right? I've got a, I've got a 40 year old daughter, a 36 year old daughter, a 20 year old daughter and a 16 year old daughter, two different marriages. So I got to raise families two different times and realize the difference in the space I was in both times being a dad. So it's like life really blessed me with the opportunity to, to give all the love and grace that my self-absorbed first time around and everything was about me and being a man and all that bullshit that, that I missed on the first time because I was so busy trying to be the role plays that I believed I had to be in order to be successful, right? Well, the second time that's not happened. Right. But yeah, it's, and it's made my time with, it's made my time with all my daughters and my grandkids and Mimi just that much more precious. It's, you know, and with my friends, like being back in Teo, being with Alberto and Veronica, they're my family. Yeah. You know, Jorge's family. Like, again, it's, I love, like, I'm so in love with the beauty and the the mystery of life that I just, I don't want to miss a second, but I live on this energetic roller coaster where I feel good half the time and I can get out, run around and do things. And then all of a sudden my energy crashes and I'm going against myself if I don't just go lay down and rest because I have to take care of my physical body first, you know, so it's making peace in general. Yeah. It's making peace with that. Yes. I'm very at peace with it. Yeah. 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 There are so many lessons that, that these kind of things bring to humans. And I love that, you know, you're you're shifting and and creating that awareness and, and the relationships around you, bringing them in closer. If, if you had an opportunity to sit with some people and give them some wisdom that you feel would help them in the initial part of finding out that they have a life-threatening illness, what would you say to them? Oh God, uh, just be with your heart. You know, listen to your heart, trust your heart, trust your, your spirit. You know, I, I don't know. I, that that's a tough question because it it's so personal. It's so personal. And again, I'm really fortunate because I've spent over 20 years clearing out all my old all the old programming grievances and angry shit and all that stuff. Like I don't have any of that. Yeah. You yeah. know. Um, I know for me it was really and you did and you did touch on it that listening to your body, meeting yourself where you're at. And, you know, if we go back to the beginning of this interview, like even coming to the four agreement, always do your best because your best is different every single day. You know, when I had my bacterial infection, it was the same thing. My body was trying to heal itself, which meant I had to get my mind out of the way and let my body heal itself. Well, one thing I will say about literally the the physical part of of medical treatment Right. Is really trust your intuition in that because I started at a at a with Tennessee Oncology and at a hospital here that I have friends that are that are MDs there, connected to an oncologist, connected to a whole network, and spent the first month in that process. Then a friend of mine in Florida who is an integrative oncologist, 
I was talking to him about it. And he said, brother, you need to come to Mayo. He said, it's the number one liver cancer treatment facility in the world. I don't work there. He works for Shands for University of Florida Hospital. He said, but they're the best. And, and I'm friends with one of the main docs there. And I'll make that connection. Well, that was a universe. That was life. Yeah. You know, and I immediately, you feel guilty because you've connected to these other doctors. Right. When I spoke to the, the lead oncologist here in Nashville and told him about Mayo, he looked right at me and said, if I was you, I would do exactly the same thing. You know, and it's so not a time to be a fixer pleaser, right? You have to take care of yourself. Right. And and you and even though there is fear, don't be in the fear. Hold yourself for the solution and keep asking for help to guide you in the solution. Yeah. You know, whatever that looks like, which it applies in life in general. That same approach applies to anything in life. And it's challenging for a lot of us to trust our intuition, unless you've been living that already. Exactly. You know, I mean, that's 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 probably as big an encouragement as there is for doing the work for yourself and taking care of yourself and, and eating little bites of light, you know, and and doing the kind of things that we've, we've all done together for years is that it allows us to actually have that direct connection to spirit. Exactly. And everybody's journey is different. Everybody who has these these things come up in their life to experience, everybody's going to do it differently. Like you said, you were in two different medical places and chose, you know, chose to go somewhere else. Yeah. And my partner that passed away a couple of years ago, actually, it was he passed away eight weeks before I met you. And that's what I was processing in Teo that time was the grief of him leaving the planet. I remember. And, yeah. And he also was battling cancer and he chose he chose to go completely clean no medical intervention at all yeah. they gave him three months to live and he spent four and a half years past that date meditation crystal work plant medicine mushroom yeah there's many paths right and that was how he chose and it didn't matter his kids were not okay with that so there was distension in the family but he knew in his heart that this is what the path that he was supposed to take. You and have that's, to listen to that. I'll, I'll tell you something about exactly what you're saying is once you've chosen a path, give it all your faith. That's right. Trust it, love it. Don't be at odds with it. I hear people say, I hate chemo. Chemo sucks. You know, I wish. And I'm like, you want, you want that stuff to help you. You want yeah, it to don't work you, against it if that's what yeah, if that's the path you choose. Right. Why would you want to energetically be at odds with what what you're hoping is going to heal you? And and we we need to work on that because culturally it's like the whole thing about you got to fight cancer. I'm like, there's not a fight bone in my body right. about this. I got to love my way through this. You Absolutely. know, I have to learn and listen and witness and and ease my way through this so you know it, it, that's just the way i approach it i i don't want to be mad about this well and that's that's we know that love is the most powerful healing force on the planet you know and it was ingrained even deeper when we went to peru and the fact oh. that you got to go there twice in the one year like i there was life-saving medicine there for you yeah you know, and, well, and that's where I discovered what was going on. You know, yeah, mama was speaking. Yeah, I mean, it's. Yeah, Peru, Peru, Peru. I'm planning to go back in October. Awesome. The person, the person that does my flyers for me, she said, are you really planning to go to Peru in October with everything that's going on? I was like, yeah, by October, I'll be fine. You know, like, and, and it's it's not arrogance or pushiness. I'm just comfortable with it. It's like, yeah, I need to go back in October because I need to be with them, with those, right. with the with the Andes and with the Urubamba and with the Caros. You know, I want to go be with them. They're yeah. 
they feed my spirit. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I can't wait. I can't wait to go back as well. Yeah. I think everybody should have that opportunity. And we also know once you develop that relationship and you have those initiations, you can access that energy where you are. And like you said, when you go to these power places, it's amplified. It is. It is different. It is. No, there, there's an anchored energetic there. Yeah. So the intuition piece, I think, is really important when like, yes, in this case, but in general, I think people learning to tap into that space and have their connection. That's where we lead our lives from. That's where we create from. That's where we manifest from. And getting well, to it can be it can be where we do all those things from. The, the you know the cabin, the alternative to that is that we're living and creating from our knowledge base, which is we were domesticated to operate from the mind. And the intuition is that direct link to the spirit that through domestication, we essentially abandon it, except for those individuals who is in, whose intuitive connection is so strong, they don't abandon it. It doesn't go away. Right. But but it's like, it's like have it's like the our our intuition is ninety nine on the FM dial and we're cranked up to one hundred four, so right. we just hear it. Yeah, well, I certainly have cherished our times together. As far as the the flying piece, you know, I I will not ever forget Tatitla and my first shot off into space. Thank you very much. Uh -huh. <laughs> Those guys are my buddies, man. I, I work. Yeah. Yeah. And they're, they're, they're pretty wild. And it, it probably took me a good year to integrate that, that one experience. And, you know, every time we get together, there's always some profound magic that happens. And I am so grateful for your consistency. So your remember, remember the feeling leaving the room where you'd been with the Eagles and I took you, took everybody out into the sunlight and said, flap your wings. Like that, that's just the, that's the most joyous, wildest, out of control, laughing feeling I've ever had. It is, it is. And I remember, cause I was the last one to come back. And so I didn't have a lot of integration time before we started doing that. And mm -hmm. as I lifted my hands up and I'm watching myself, I, I don't know who I said it to, but I was like, who created these soul baskets anyways? They're so weird. I was like, yeah. what the hell just came out of my mouth? Like, <laughs> Well, you see that with the little babies. I've noticed this for years and years. You know, little newborns, they're asleep and they're all peaceful. And they wake up and they start moving around. And it's kind of like, oh, my God, where am I? I'm trapped. Let me go. <laughs> It's just wild yeah. so to be able to, you know, experience that, you know, as, as an adult and, you know, go back into that, whoa, space, you know, there are no words, you know, and, you know, it's, it's kind of a double-edged sword when you ask somebody, you know, how, how was your spiritual awakening? Because when you, when you access those realms, sometimes it's hard to translate into human words, what the hell happened while you were there? I well, and you, I think you've heard me say this too. I think there are experiences like that that are not meant to be talked about. Right. I mean, with a very, very select few people that have a relationship with that other dimension, because trying to trying to communicate it to people that don't, you just bleed the energy out. it's It's very personal. It's completely universal. And initially, it's very personal. And I think it's important to hold that close. Yeah, until it's time. You know, that that is why Bites of Light was birthed. Like that came to me in Peru. Mm -hmm. So, you know, yes, and. Yes, some is personal and some is meant to be shared. And at some point, you decide what is what. You know, it's part of the process, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Well, the sharing comes after a maturation process. Right. You know, yeah. it comes as, as a result of holding it close and living with it. And then it evolves. It's like planting seeds. Right. 
Yeah. Well, and I feel like that's what this book has been, you know, the introduction of the book I'm talking about when I was five years old, walking down the street and even saying that I can physically see myself with my hand on that energetic wolf, you know, and so this book has been 45 years in the making, right from that first story, right? Mm -hmm. So the seeds are here. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, I, I, what I haven't shared with you yet, so I'm going to tell you now, because it's just so cute. At the end of your forward, do you remember when we were in Peru and I took that picture of you and Seth over yes. the snow? You know which one I'm talking about? Yeah. And that and oh. then and then on yeah. the way home, I wrote that poem and showed you the poem. Yeah. I put that picture in the book underneath your forward. Oh, that's great. Isn't Very that great. exciting? So was that the I can't. Where were we when you took that picture? I'm trying to remember the name. Oh, you had PSAC? PSAC. No, yeah. it, where the circles are, the, the, that vortex. Oh, Mirai. At Mirai. It was yes. in Mirai. It was at that Mirai circle. Yeah. Yeah. And every time I look at that picture, my hair stands up. It's just so incredible. The energy that you guys are holding there is just like too, too two aspects of Archangel Michael standing there with your wings spread out. It's just so incredible. And we literally, this just came in last night. We we've got the inside. It's all done. And oh, we're, wow. doing, we're doing one more edit. And I was scrolling last night. Cause you know, I just can't help myself. I'm just, I'm in bed and it came through and I'm like, Oh, I just have to take a quick visual so I can dream into it. I get it. And as I, as I scrolled your forward and then at the end, your last little piece, I made like an incantation. So it's small. And then your picture, your guys's picture came up and I just started crying. I'm just like, oh, it's so good. Oh, that's the best. Very cool. Yeah. Well, this is your baby, sweetie. You're going to love it. I love it already. I loved it. it it's funny. I, I guess that is the mother way. I loved it before I even saw it in fruition because I knew I knew it was coming from my bones. I knew it was coming from my soul. And it's going to be amazing. Yeah. 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 And I'm just so happy that you're a part of it. Thank you for sharing your light, your bites of light, your your unique ray of light. It's just incredible. And I cannot wait to share it with the world. And the fact that we are birthing it on the summer solstice, there's just so much light packed into this book. It's just, it's going to be great. Yeah, it is. Yeah. So is. thank you. Thank you also for coming and sharing your story. Today. Well, you're welcome. Yeah, you're welcome. Yeah, yeah. It's I mean, good to see you. It is. It's It's been a while. It's been a while. And I can't wait to share space with you again soon. Yeah, we will. We will. We will. We will. Well, we will close out and know I love you. And I hope your journey goes exactly how you want it to go. And I'm sending all my <laughs> love to your family and... Blessings, blessings, blessings. Well, thank you, sweetie. Give give Seth a hug for me. I will. Okay. All right. Adios. Adios. Thank you for sharing your time and energy with us. The best way to help us spread this message is to rate, review, and subscribe. If this episode impacted you in any way, share it with others. Post about it on social media or put something in the comments. Also, check out our website for upcoming events and books at www.roarrevolution.com. All our gratitude and love. All our love. See you soon.